Welcome to this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast, ClearCast, your source for security clearance, intelligence community, espionage, national security, and defense contracting updates in our exclusive interviews with intelligence community and government leaders. Hello, hello, this is Katie Keller with ClearanceJobs.com, and today for this episode of the Security Clearance Careers podcast, I have ex-National Security Agency professional William Hutch Hutchinson. He is the CEO and co-founder of SimSpace, which we'll talk a little bit about in a moment, but he was at U.S. Cyber Command and was appointed through presidential order to create a team focused on defending U.S. national infrastructure against state cyber threats. He trained the 6,000 Cyber Command operatives, and so today we have a shortage of cleared talent. We have ever-growing cyber threats. So SimSpace works to combat some of those things, and you also continue to serve as the test director for cyber operational assessments at the Department of Defense. And today we're going to talk about your story and pivoting cyber careers and really the importance of companies like SimSpace and maintaining cyber hygiene in general for those listeners that we have who may hold a security clearance. So first, Hutch, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, Thank you, Katie. Wonderful. Happy to have you. And so I thought I always like to sort of start from the beginning with my guests. So let's talk about where how you got to where you are today. So you had a career at the NSA, but you also had a long career with the U.S. Air Force, and that's where you spent a few decades. And I know you have some really great stories and anecdotes. So let's talk about your background a little bit and tell me how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. So yeah, as you pointed out, my career in the Air Force began as a fighter pilot. I flew F-15 fighter aircraft as well as T-38 trainer aircraft for the bulk of my career. And along the way, I sort of kept up with, you know, developments in the cyberspace realm. Eventually, I ended up at Cyber Command in 2011, where one of my first tasks was to stand up an exercise that's based on an aviation exercise called Red Flag. The cyber variant, of course, would be Cyber Flag. And this is the would have been the first joint tactical force-on-force cyber range-based exercise uh, that the command had stood up. And the idea is where you bring together hundreds of operators over the span of a couple of weeks. We would model friendly networks, adversarial networks, neutral networks, present very complicated, challenging scenarios. And the goal was to provide insights to commanders on how we would fare in a future cyber conflict. So it allowed me to uh, leverage and take full advantage of my background as a fighter pilot on how you approach train. You know, some of the basic tenets, for example, train as you fight, it's better to fail in training versus on the battlefield, if you will. And one of the reasons that Red Flag, the original aviation exercise was stood up is because uh, they found out that coming out of Vietnam, where our air-to-air kill ratio wasn't exactly where we wanted it to be, they, they discovered that the, those fighter pilots that had survived the first 10 combat missions, their chance of survival went dramatically up. So that is where the, the construct of red flag came about. And of course, we're trying to duplicate that with cyber flag. So the, the idea is to bring very realistic training to the military. And then as part of SimSpace, we're taking that approach, that construct to the private sector. Sure. Well, so I actually used to staff red flag exercises over at Nellis Air Force Base. This was in the late 2010s. So a little bit 
after you went over to Cybercom. And so I think one key thing just in hearing, and I really appreciate the history on Red Flag because I, I personally didn't know that, but sort of thinking about being a fighter pilot in the Air Force and then kind of pivoting to an organization like Cybercom, deep dive into that training that you did for thousands of people and how you drew on that sort of military experience and you know working for an agency or a group like Cybercom. Yeah, so there was a lot of things that were going on at, at the command at the time where they were going to stand up those 6,000 operators. So that was at the early stages of that. They were moving from individual operations to team level operations. And, you know, they were sorting out what's the right team construct, what tools to use, how to use those tools. And, but they, they needed a, a place where, it was safe and isolated from real networks where you were given the freedom to fail. If you had done these same kind of complex exercises on a real network, you may inadvertently cause something to disrupt certain uh, functions. And now you've got to deal with you know, safety and operational concerns. So the value of that exercise construct is it, it put you into a secure environment that allowed for mistakes to happen where failure could happen. But then, you know, the really important part of it is to take an honest assessment of what happened. We get to what we call the ground truth. And then once that's established, the real learning takes place where you not only, you know, highlight the things that were done well, but more importantly, put the spotlight on areas for improvement and set forward, you know, a path to continuously improve. That approach, that mindset was new, not only to the command, but to cyberspace in general. Well, and I love that. And you should certainly apply that to any industry or any professional environment, just in being a good leader, allowing folks to feel comfortable to fail, because it does mean that you are learning new things and improving on tactics and strategies. And so let's talk about some sort of career advice, since you've touched a couple of different facets of the Department of Defense and cyber and exercises and training. So let's talk about how to pivot careers to cyber, just because, I mean, on the daily, constantly, I am getting messages from job seekers, like how do I pivot careers if, especially coming from the military, maybe you had an MOS or, you know, an Air Force equivalent that was something that is a little bit saturated in today's market or in the location that you're in. And so cyber is really in demand. I mentioned in my intro that we have a shortage of cleared talent for classified or clearance jobs. And so tell us a little bit about what advice you would offer and how to pivot careers to cyber. Certainly. So, you know, one of the the reasons that I was very proud to serve is that I felt like I was on a mission. I was serving something greater than myself. I was out to make positive difference. And I think, you know, if the pandemic did not underscore the importance of a safe and secure internet, you know, the digital infrastructure of the future, it just became uh, abundantly clear, you know, over the last couple of years. We uh, in the cyber industry are committed to making what is the underpinning of our economy, again, safe and, and secure. So pivoting to cyber, you know, the motivation is that you would be part of a critically important mission. You, you would be, you know, serving something uh, larger than yourself. And it is also very technically challenging. The discipline that one would get out of the military could serve you well in a cyber career. And I, I think the, 
there is a, a bright future for those that have come from the military and interested in moving into the private sector, specifically then cyber. And I think you'll find it that it's not only uh, challenging, but uh, very, very rewarding. Sure. And so are there any certifications from a candidate's perspective that you're seeing are really important in today's environment and staffing some of the programs maybe that some space works on? Well, you know, the, so the good news is that unlike when I sort of started at Cyber Command back in 2011, at the time there was limited resources available. The good news is, is that there is an abundance of training available in many cases, particularly the early Introductory training is available for free, and I take full advantage of, of those opportunities. The one thing that has changed in the last decade, I'll say, is that it's not only important to get a good, strong foundation on the basic concepts and principles, but then you have to be able to apply those. I would seek out opportunities beyond just you know sort of the academic foundations, but then find places where you can practice, explore, experiment on those particular concepts. I would say that the, the kind of things that are happening in the military are very, very exciting, very much leading edge uh, in cyber. And I think there is a, a great opportunity to get the foundations in place there in the military. Yeah, good point. And, you know, gaining that academic experience, but being sure to apply it, whether that be different industries, certainly the Department of Defense is looking for folks in cyber, but I know even nonprofits are good places to gain that experience because you need experience to get a job. And so let's talk about, you know, from a job seeking perspective as well, or maybe some of the FSOs or recruiters that work in this space are listening, just the importance of cyber hygiene. And we're going to get into some of maybe the the larger future threats in in the cyber world but from an individual user perspective could you tell me from your from your experience the importance of cyber hygiene and maybe a couple of tips if you have those for our listeners oh sure yeah so take some basic steps make sure you have all of your uh, applications uh, your browsers uh, your email agents uh, make sure that those are up to date and uh, fully patched. Uh, make sure that you have antivirus as sort of a fundamental requirement on your laptop or desktop. You should also, uh, to the max extent possible, utilize a virtual private network or a VPN capability. You know, to the extent that you can limit, you know, the very sensitive actions on your laptop or, or desktop to the you know, min extent practical. I would, you know, certainly recommend that. And obviously be very careful about all the emails that find themselves in your inbox. Be very leery about opening any documents that are attached or any links that are embedded from those that you do not know, or these are emails that would come in in an unexpected way. So I would, you know, I would be ever vigilant, uh, trust but verify, if you will. But, you know, those basic Technical steps would, would go a long way. And then, you know, I would adopt a very cautious approach and perspective. Sure. I mean, I have a big sticky note at my desk. Think before you click. And honestly, I tend to over-report to our IT department, which I don't think is a bad thing. So in addition to those tips that Hutch mentioned, I mean, certainly employing something like multi-factor authentication or MFA for any program that, you know, you're using pretty consistently and where you can um, deploy MFA. So those are really great tips. So kind of speaking to the the larger 
sort of cyber threats to our critical infrastructure here in the U.S. I know recently the Philadelphia Inquirer is scrambling to restore its systems and um, resume normal operations after it was uh, one of the late, latest major media organizations to be targeted in a cyber attack. And so that attack was reported to the FBI. But Hutch, with your experience, I just thought um, maybe if we could have a discussion on what we might see in the future of cyber threats, especially with things like the cyber Security and Infrastructure Security Agency. They have had their cyber threat hunters on a couple of things that have happened over the last few years here in the U.S. Let's talk about that and have a discussion on what the cyber threat landscape might look like, in your opinion, with our adversaries like China and Russia. Certainly. Unfortunately, I may have only sort of disappointing news to share. I think the number and the lethality of the attacks will only increase. There are a lot of financial incentives Uh, intellectual property incentives that is going to drive that development. You mentioned hunt forward operations. This is uh, something led by the United States Cyber Command, where in cooperation with partner countries, we're invited, the military is invited in to come into a production network and in a proactive way, scan for anomalous behavior, malware, uh, unusual logs within a computer. Basically, these are indicators of compromise that an adversary has been in a particular network. And then, of course, the, the next immediate step is to neutralize the threat and to prevent any possible or potential disruption or stealing of data. This is part of uh, the cyber strategy from Cyber Command, where they are trying to deter or disrupt potential adversarial actions. So I I think sort of the bad news is, is that unfortunately the the threat will likely uh, increase, but uh, there is a corresponding attempt by our military to, in a proactive way, uh, deter, disrupt those actions. Well, and in addition to our military, companies like SimSpace are, you know, helping to combat some of these threats. So SimSpace founded by experts like you from Cyber Command, and you have a CyberForce platform that supports different enterprises like government and other critical national infrastructure organizations. And so the other thing that SimSpace does is help with cybersecurity protection against cyber threats for NATO governments and organizations, defending them from, you know, adversaries, like I mentioned, China and Russia. So tell us a little bit about, in addition to that, what SimSpace does, and then some of the talent that you might be looking for to help support your organization and other entities of the Department of Defense against these threats. We, uh, using our platform, can uh, create a high fidelity replica of a real network. And going back to my description of CyberFlag, we're taking that technology and that approach and applying it to the private sector. So we'll bring in uh, a security team, whether they're from the government or from private sector, and they will have a simulated cyber warfare exercise, war game, if you will, uh, over a period of a couple hours or a couple of days. The important part of it, as I've already mentioned, is that This is a safe place where you can get feedback on your uh, level of preparedness and then more importantly, take actions to improve things in a continuous way. And in terms of talent, we are looking for the best and brightest in the cybersecurity industry, red teamers, defenders, software engineers that can enhance our platform, can augment what we do with our customers. It's not only a fun place and a, and a, a, a terrific place to make a difference. But as I mentioned earlier, it 
you're part of a broader mission to make the infrastructure of the future safe and secure. Sure. Really critical mission to help, uh, again, ensure that safety and our national security. You heard it. SimSpace is looking for the brightest of minds. And so for more information on SimSpace, you can search their company at clearancejobs.com. Hutch, thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Security Clearance Careers Podcast. So for more information on cyber breaking news, how to pivot careers to cyber, or anything else related to cyber threats, you can visit news.clearancejobs.com. 